Listener Production. We've had lots of time in the last couple of years to reflect on what we want from work and we're seeing some big shifts in who's working where and why people work. And so I think, you know, the organisations and individuals, we can both use what we've learnt to really, I think, change work and make it better and then we reap the subsequent health benefits that good work can provide. I'm Margie Hartley, Executive Coach to Senior Leaders Around the Globe And this is Fast Track. I've been using the analogy for the way we are in our current state. And the analogy is that for many of us, it feels like we're either in a work traffic jam waiting for the accident to clear up ahead, or we're speeding at 120 kilometres down the freeway. It's the stop-start rhythm and the lack of momentum and the uncertainty about returning to the office. There's a groundswell of people wondering how to ride this roller coaster. Most of us were all set to go back to the office in February, but the latest Omicron outbreak has put this on hold for the moment. And we may say, this too shall pass, but I'm curious about what it takes to deal with uncertainty and this ever-changing landscape. How do we deal with uncertainty and the changing traffic speeds, to use my analogy, in a really practical way and make sense of our thinking and our feelings? How do we make sense of being in our best health and working from home? Jodie Oakman is the Associate Professor of Public Health at La Trobe University. There she coordinates the Centre for ergonomics and human factors, which is focused on the relationship between work and our health. Such an interesting topic at the best of times, but so incredibly relevant right now. Jodie, thank you so much for coming to chat with us today on Fast Track. My pleasure. My pleasure. Very happy to talk. Can you help me understand your perspective and the research about what's happening right now in terms of lack of momentum with returning to work and how we're reacting to the uncertainty this has caused. Yeah, well, I think your analogy is is spot on and it suffice to say we are in very uncertain times. And in some ways we've had a lot of practice at learning to deal with that over the last couple of years, particularly in Victoria and New South Wales, but particularly in Victoria where we've had multiple and sustained lockdowns over the past couple of years. We've followed people over the last couple of years looking at the relationships between work and their health. And, you know, we found some very interesting things, which we look forward to talking to you about. But I think that the issue at the minute about this stop start is it really depends on their personal circumstances. And so we found that some people are quite okay with that because actually they're very happy at home, they've worked out their rhythm, and so delaying that start is good. But then there's a whole range of other people who are really missing that social connection and really looking forward to going back and having some connection and so wondering when on earth that's going to happen because they envisaged, like you said, uh, like I understood, that we'd be back in the office by now. Mm. So it's a very individual space for people and people are managing it in very different ways and so the impacts then on their health is highly varied. Yeah, I'm particularly curious at the moment from a personal perspective, not just the system perspective, because I've been, this is my 
I think, third week of having to isolate since December because a couple of daughters got it at different times and I've just had COVID. And I've actually found for the first time in the two years really challenging mentally. Mm. And I've got all the strategies and all of the tools that I think I need and have dealt with that okay, but what about everybody else? And I think this idea of knowing what to do even before it might hit you is a useful thing. So I'm so glad you could come in today and I am self-serving with the information you're going to share with us. So would you liken it to a roller coaster for workers? And how far can you take this analogy? Mm. I think a roller coaster is is a really good analogy because we've been up and down and up and down and, you know, sometimes we've just been, um, you know, on a pretty flat line and I think, you know, for many of us that happens, you're alluding to, to some of that, that we find where it's very difficult to get motivated to do what we normally do, even though we've got work we like and you know, put things in place, it can still be really difficult. And I think we have to accept that that's actually how it is. But, you know, sometimes we need to ride with it. But I think we've got a lot of lessons over the last few years about what's pulled us out of it before, because for many, it's been a repeating situation. And so I think there are reflections we can make that uh, we can then put into place. But I think first and foremost, sometimes it's okay (laughs) to be just not as motivated as we are because we've got all these other external influences that are really making it challenging for us to make decisions. And so I think one of the things that we've we found was even highly motivated people towards the end of last year found that very challenging because they've been at home for a long time, homeschooling, multiple other, uh, you know, decisions that they have to make around their work. And so, you know, we went into that Christmas period very fatigued. I don't think there was anyone, certainly in the southern states, that wasn't. And so we came back thinking we'd be all refreshed. And for some people that happened. But for some, they've been on another roller coaster, which was the one they didn't expect. Mm. And I think that's one of the the challenges is that when things that are outside of our control happen, that can be really challenging. And that fits with the research that, that we've undertaken and we found about this really important aspect of control. Okay, so love to talk to that in a moment. What is actually affecting our health? Like what what are the the things, you know, research and trends, you've said something about control there, but how is it affecting us in the wellbeing and health space? Mm. Well, work influences, home life influences, external influences, all having an impact on our physical and our mental health. A range of uh, aspects within that Work environment are really, really critically important on both our physical and mental health. And I think sometimes we think about relationships between work and health in a more narrow space and those what we call those psychosocial aspects of work, things around our supervisor, how we get on with them, how well they manage us, much control we have. Uh, how well we get on with our uh, work colleagues, these all really matter for both our physical health and our mental health. And so we sometimes we 
focus too much on the mental health and not on the physical health and sometimes the other way. But lots of the influences are the same. So what we should really look at is this whole ecosystem of the work environment and manage those. And this is really challenging for managers and supervisors to get that right, particularly when their people are not in the room with them as they may have traditionally been used to. I'm definitely finding that with my clients and on team days, leaders saying that connection piece and even down to the point of how often people are verbalising how they feel, Mm -hmm. you know, not being able to pick up those physical cues. So let's go down that track for a moment. First question before we jump to the how difficult it is for leaders to see how their teams are, are working. I'm curious, has this always been the case? Is it just that COVID has given us a different environment and that work and our health had this same ecosystem for a long time. Exactly, exactly. So so all these things that we know or we can examine in the working at home space are the same things that we have been or should have been looking at prior to COVID. But what's happened is we've got this big unfortunate natural experiment here and said, well, okay, if we actually then shift work to a new location, how do those relationships, what do they look like now? And of course, some of them are the same, but some of them are magnified because of those uh, challenges with communication, you know, how much, too much, too little. And the challenges with some of those relationships, when we've got issues for some supervisors and managers, it's been very challenging to work out how to manage people without micromanaging them or leaving them alone to their own devices. It's a very tricky balance to learn. So you're right, all these things we knew, we've just shifted that environment and in the future we're going to actually shift it again Mm. to a a new way of working. So we're moving towards that space but we're not quite there yet. And we're literally learning, aren't we, as we experience it for the first time on this global scale. I don't want to do everybody's heads in and talk too global and too macro. I'm just curious how you you often talk about coping mechanisms. I've read your other media and I know your research is really deeply evidence-based about these coping mechanisms. So for uncertainty at work, is it just regaining control? You mentioned control before. And why do we need to have control? Well, most of us like to have some form of control over our our patch, our, our life. It's particularly important, I think, in the current environment because much of, there's a lot happening that we have no control over. So all these decisions are made, you know, about restrictions or where we can go or what we can do. But our work, for for those of us lucky to be in work and to have maintained work, work is one aspect that we can continue with and have some influence over. So if if we lose that, that's particularly problematic because what we need to have some control in order to manage getting our work done in order to manage all those inherent things we get from good quality work. And if we lose that, then that's very stressful, which impacts both our our mental and physical health. How does 
does it impact our physical health? Because I can definitely understand our mental health. Is it like a ripple effect that goes into the physical? Mm. Yeah, this is a this is often challenging. It's a core part of work we do. It impacts our um, our physical health through a stress related pathway. So all those things that happen, all those we say those environmental factors that can cause us stress. That stress can result in both either the mental health aspects or the physical, the musculoskeletal problems. So things like our back pain or our neck pain are exacerbated by stress. That's so interesting. And so as I'm listening to you, I'm hearing sort of multifactorial impacts on work and our health as we've changed this up and that the impact is different for everybody, but you're getting the patterns and the trends of the of those impacts. So so clearly it's not just get a standing desk and everything will be okay. It's absolutely not. And I'm so glad you said that because at the start of the pandemic, that's what everyone was focused on desk, chair, screen. And we really tried to shift that to say, no, it's much bigger than that. This is about an environment which includes your workstation and those things, but it also now includes your family. And it also includes all these other things like boundaries, how much you've got to do, where you're going to work, how you're going to organise your time and those things. So you really required a very broad look at that environment. And that wasn't, I think, on people's radar. It's shifted now. Now there's no, everyone understands that there's a really multifactorial lot of issues there that we need to think about in order to successfully manage working at home. And then really, we look at optimising people's health and wellbeing. Mm, so interesting. So let's talk about some of those coping mechanisms now, because I'm, I'm sure lots of people are really relating to the examples we're giving and some of the conversation. But what are the coping mechanisms that you help people understand? What do we need to do? I know my post-it note that sits currently above my desk is uh, high hopes, low expectations for 2022. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, get a grip. It is what it is and keep being hopeful. That's a sort of my message to me. What What are the mechanisms, Jodie, that you can help listeners utilise? I think really reflecting on what works for you and how you work is really useful. Uh, you know, it's often, it's, it's a cliche, isn't it? At the beginning of the year, you think about goals and things. And I'm not talking about that, but I think it's actually worth thinking about how you've managed working in the last couple of years. And at the minute, we've got a, a little bit of a clear run with no uh, homeschooling for the moment. And thinking, what is it that works? Because I think that's actually really important to understand what are, what are your motivators? So what gets you going? And importantly, when? Because we're going to have to make some decisions very shortly about how we're going to work in this new environment where we're back in the office maybe for some time or or not. So really identifying the things you do best and when you do them at particular times in the day because if we can get that productivity piece right, that really helps with our efficiency and it helps us keep some control over our hours because I think that's important. I read somewhere very recently about the seven-hour gift that we've had which is the not commuting hours. So someone's proposed we have an extra day a week. And I thought, that's really interesting. So what have I done 
this caused me to think, what have I done with that extra day a week? And I think it is worth having taking a minute to just think about that and how you've used that time or what you can use with that time. And then thinking about our workpiece and how we could be perhaps more efficient. I don't I don't particularly want to focus on the efficiency piece. It's more about optimising your time during the day because that then allows that efficiency to fall out. You focus on the sort of the upstream end about how you organise your time and what you're actually doing now that we've re- removed some of the constraints that we had last year. And do we still need to focus on setting our environment up both at the office and at home in a way that is suitable for our working styles? Is that still a focus as well as managing uncertainty and control? It certainly is. We've just been looking at, you know, some of the data that we've um, collected and it's uh, whilst we talk all about all these other environmental conditions, the where people work and whether or not they get interrupted really matters. And so working out in the future your workspace at home is really important. So have you got somewhere you can work where you don't get interrupted? And we know that in the past two years that's been challenging because perhaps we've all been at home and kids and multiple people. But in the future, being able to find a designated spot actually turns out to be quite important and matters for our physical health but also our our stress levels as well. So what's that data saying actually that we need a focused environment. What is it saying? It's saying that being able to work without interruptions, so somewhere that we don't get interrupted. And we we know this, I mean, shared offices are a really good example. We get interrupted in shared offices all the time. The same operates at home. Being able to have a space where you can work without dealing with extra noise or or interruptions is still really important. Mm. I mean, I think this is really important to think about going forward because we've often used these really blunt instruments, organisations, to try and manage people working at home, policies and procedures, but they're very black and white. That doesn't work anymore. If we've learned anything in the last couple of years, that there needs to be nuance and there's some good data emerging about what matters in terms of workplace setups at home. So yes, it matters about that physical workspace, but also about the the space itself. And can you give us some hints about some of the extra pieces about setting up our office or is that a soon to be published research? (laughs) Well, you know, there's all the obvious ones that I think people, you know, know about, about having good equipment and, you know, the chairs and and, um, screens and those sorts of things. And the equipment that we need to do our work efficiently is is really important. Being Having access to good IT support is, you know, who'd have thought is actually really, uh, really important. But also how we do that work and when we do that work actually matters as well. So this comes back to this liaison with our managers and supervisors so that everyone's clear about when you're working and how you're working so that you can manage expectations. Literature around expectation management's been around a long time, but this is a new environment where we've got, we might have managers with split teams, teams that are some in the office and some at home. And this is this is going to be, I think, a particular challenge to, to watch and give people support, some of those managers, in how to actually do that effectively. So if you've got half your team there and half at home, how do you actually manage your meetings? What is it that you want to do in your workspace when you've got everyone in the room together? So I think we're going to have to be really skilled at 
crafting jobs and parts of jobs so that you're doing the bits that are better done in the office in the office and doing those other tasks that are better done at home. So it's going to require some really thoughtful design around our work to get it to work optimally. It's, and I don't think it's going to be smooth sailing because we'll <laughs> we've got this sort of uh, you know arrangements to work. We've got to work through what does hybrid that word we're all using, what does that actually mean? Mm. And so people can flourish both with their health and their achievement in getting their work done and finding that best possible environment and optimization is, is going to take a fair bit of design and redesign, isn't it? And a way of thinking that means that it's not fixed. Uh, I'm thinking about the inequity of experience when I'm facilitating and I've got two people on screens and the rest of people in a room. I then turn to, no, everybody just go home because it was really important for that equity of experience. But we can't always have that. So surely there'll have to be some tools and discussions about how we make that really work for everyone. Everybody. Oh, exactly. And I think this really, uh, it puts a lot of pressure on managers to work out how they're going to do this. And I think it's really going to require organisations to have really open and transparent conversations about how to do that in an equitable way so that we don't end up, and it, it's it's particularly the, the data emerging is around gender in, inequity because we're likely to see some imbalances about who's in the office. It's more likely to be men. Women are more likely to stay at home. And if, you know, the rewards are for the people at work, that's going to be problematic. And so given that we have that information now, we need to be factoring that into our sort of decision-making about the forthcoming year and beyond so that we can manage this. I mean, this has been a huge disruptor to how work's done. You know, it's mm. it, it really is unprecedented. I don't use that word lightly, but <laughs> it really has. So I think organisations and employees, I think we all need to be sensitive to that. It's not actually, it's not easy to work this out. And, you know, open communication is one way to make sure, you know, people accept that there's going to be a few challenges from either end in getting it to work. And leaders have, a bit like teachers, a heavy responsibility across a breadth of things that weren't in their purview when they first took up the job of I'm going to lead my team. Now it's mental health and managing these experiences, whereas we all used to go to an offsite together and sit down with our manager over a coffee for our reviews. So that is Absolutely. I loved it when you said managers and organisations are going to have to help managers and leaders find a way and resources to do this. Mm. Jodie, your research sounds so interesting and finding the trends in the moment as we're going through this. Are there any other things you mentioned very early? There are a couple of ideas that you had. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us about what you're seeing? Mm. One of the take-homes, I think, is that We've really learnt to be very adaptable, you know, managing in quite, you know, extraordinary circumstances. So one of the things that I'd like to see not being lost when we go back to the sort of busyness of normality, whatever that means, is that we we realise we can work in different ways to what we, we have done and that we really 
take those lessons and use them to make really good quality working conditions so that people can really, as you said before, flourish and thrive, which is what work should be like, because then, you know, organisations get the best out of their employees, but also employees really are motivated to stay. And I think that's We've had lots of time in the last couple of years to reflect on what we want from work and we're seeing some really big shifts in in who's working where and why people work. And so I think, you know, the organisations and individuals, we we can both use what we've learnt to really, I think, hopefully, change work and make it, uh, make it better and then we reap the, uh, the, the subsequent health benefits that good work can provide. And I love the emphasis on health benefits because positive work and positive health. And the other thing that I love that you've just said is let's not forget where the strengths have been over the last couple of years and how we can maximise and use those and remember that adaptability. Jodie, I think this is such an interesting topic and I'm really grateful for you being able to give some tips and understanding about the uncertainty but also about the importance of our health in the workplace and how we really do need to be disciplined about focusing on that going forward. I really want to thank you for your time today and I hope to speak to you again. Thanks so much. Thank you. Been a pleasure. Fast Track was presented by me, Margie Hartley. Producer, Tina Matalov. Audio production by Nikki Sitch. Executive producer, Jennifer Goggin. Listener.